0: I'm mailing about with Ted Neely, star of Jesus Christ Superstar. It's such a pleasure to see you.
1: Thank you very much, and you as well.
0: So you're on tour, essentially. You're in a you're in like a rock and roll tour with this. Uh, That's right. With the film, tell yeah. me about it. Tell well, me about some adventures you've been having?
1: We actually Frank Munoz and I actually, as they say, took the film under our arms and carried ourselves and go to the theaters and bang on the doors and demand that they let us come in and screen it. <laughs> and we're having the time of our lives because that fan base is there everywhere. Is it? Even though Huge. the people, it, yeah, it is. It, it has been forever, and I think it shall forever be.
0: I got such a kick out of receiving the DVD from the two of you. Ah. I saved the envelope. I'm such a geek.
1: <laughs> <laughs> geek to us. That's who it is. <laughs>
0: because I'm such a big fan also, and I still feel like the movie has held up over time, and it's been what, 42 years? That's
1: right, yes, since it released in 1973.
0: Where were you in 1973? I what was, were you
1: up to? Well, I was only eight years old at the time. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> I was starting my little league career, baseball. And No, I, I was still the, with, working with bands at the time when the film came out, and we had just started a tour of Tommy ah oh, yeah yeah because we had done the original tommy uh in los angeles the original uh without the who shall i say right they had the idea to do it just like superstar you yeah know? And, and they said well we want to see somebody do it besides us so we were traveling around america doing tommy live wow and what was really interesting is we got into cleveland though, excuse me into chicago and our opening night for tommy was right across the street from the theater that was the opening night of superstar it was outrageous, yeah.
0: How cool is that? So now, the, uh, the Who's Tommy started in Los Angeles first.
1: Yes. I did not The know one that we did, yeah. I mean, not, not the one that eventually went to Broadway. Okay. But we did the original production. Literally, the guys, because they were so blown away by uh, the success of Superstar on Broadway, they wanted to see if somebody could do the show without them actually in it. Right. And uh, some people in L.A. were all completely open to that. So it happened in Los Angeles. We were there for about three months in L.A., the same theater where we played hair for three years You played
0: Claude, of course. Yes, yes. I did.
1: <laughs> Claude Hooper Bukowski. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh gosh, don't get me started. Please,
1: don't. <laughs> I'll harmonize with you. Okay.
0: <laughs> Is it true like there's so much folklore around the Jesus Christ Superstar film? So I just want you to clarify some rumors. Is it true that you broke your foot? In Tommy, or did something in Tommy that prevented you from your audition?
1: You're absolutely what I didn't break my foot. Okay. uh. As you know, uh, the music in Tommy is outrageous, and uh, the undertour, which happens at the end of the first act, with the overture in the first, all music, all music, and so the the director and choreographer decided to make that a a dance program. Well, I don't dance at all, you see. Everybody in the company, but myself, were great dancers, so they wanted me in it, so they were all the dancers and made the stage like a pinball machine inside the pinball machine. Well, I was the pinball. (laughs) <laughs> I literally—they made me the pinball, and they're tossing me as if I'm up against the bumpers and all that. You see, and, and the dance, some of the dancers were gigantic muscle men, you know, that were tossing me and catching me, and this uh, matinee performance, the, the catcher and I were both injured. Oh. We fell, bashed our heads, knocked us out. Fortunately, it was the end of the first act, so you they,
0: bashed your head.
1: Well, well, the the, the the stage looked like a pinball machine. Okay, you see. And it it was, you know, a lot of fabric, a lot of metal-looking, a lot of things with stairs and steps, and it was just an accident, and we both fell and bang, and so they drug us off the stage. But we were okay to come back. It was was no big deal, but the, the company doctor was afraid we might hurt ourselves, so they advised us both not to go on for the evening performance. Well, yeah, that makes sense. That's the show that Norman Jewison came to see. I was director of Jesus Christ Superstar. Right. He was coming to see me in that as my audition, and I wasn't there. Oh. I didn't even know. I didn't know he was coming. You see, so so you were
0: unaware that he was. No, in, okay.
1: I knew he was going to come sometime during the run, but I asked him, please don't let me know he's there because I I'll I won't work. I'll blow it. I, I, I just won't make it happen. So they didn't tell me. Wow. So he came to see the show, and I wasn't there. so okay. So at least I didn't break my foot. but uh, and we were fine the next day, but uh,
0: so then how did you get the role? How did I what actually happened?
1: what happened was the wonderful agent, uh, Norman's agent uh, who set up the, the him coming to see the show. Uh, he called me the next day saying, Ted, you know Mr. Jusen came to see you last night. Where were you? <laughs> you know? Your understudy was very happy and My understudy was very good, <laughs> yes. <laughs> now it was competition, mm-hmm. you see. So, <laughs> so I just said, please, I cannot pass up this opportunity. May I buy him lunch or dinner or something, if nothing else, to apologize? And he said, well, let me call and see what I can set up. So he did, he set up a lunch. We met, we discussed, he let me know that he had already cast all of his principles in the film. He was in LA just casting for dancers and singers and chorus people. So he had already cast the role of Jesus? Well, he had made his decision on who he was going to use. Nothing had been confirmed. But who he was said, that? I don't know. You he, don't know? He didn't tell me.
0: Yeah. Oh, and you I'm, don't know to this day? No, I don't. I don't.
1: I don't. Aren't you but curious? I, 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 of course. <laughs> but, but I do know there were many, many people who were considered for all of these principal roles, you yeah. see. And he didn't decide he didn't decide at all until almost three months after that who he was going to use. But had I not been aggressive, and actually not aggressive, it was out of wanting to apologize to this nice man because who knows, maybe someday he might do a different film that I could. You know, sweep the floors or something. There you, <laughs> you know? go,
0: yeah. So did you show up dressed like Jesus Christ, or is that I, rumor? No.
1: I <laughs> keep in mind, I was, at the time I was playing the role of Tommy, trying to look as young as possible, you know, very little, uh, and no hair on my face at all, and very clean cut, very whatever.
0: Did you have the rock and roll curls? No. Like, no, no, you didn't even have no, that. No, it
1: was pretty much this, because this is the shortest my hair's been in years, but it, I, that's the way they wanted me to look to begin with for Tommy, you see. And then I, once once he said, well, he'll have lunch with you, I went, now what I do. I, so I called an actor, a friend of mine. He, I said, can you come over and make me look like Jesus? <laughs> Literally. So he came over, he did a beard and long hair, and do I go to meet Norman. And uh, the first thing he says when we sit down for lunch is, why are you wearing that awful beard and, and mustache? I said, well, sir, I uh, kind of wanted to make sure you could maybe visualize me as the role that I'd like to play. And he said, well, I don't, honestly, he said, I don't need to see anything but your eyes.
0: Wow. That's what he said. Wow, wow. Were you dressed in the robe too? No, or no, just, just facial? pretty
1: much like this. I just wanted at least a facial possibility, you see.
0: So he cast you for your eyes.
1: Well, <laughs> we, that was long before the screen test right. and the final decision. In fact, we finished the run of Tommy and Carl Anderson and I were now doing Superstar at the Universal Amphitheater in Los Angeles. Uh, when we finally found out that we were even going to be screen tested. So this was a long process, you see.
0: I bet, yeah. And he
1: can tell you, he went through so many, I mean literally thousands of people that he auditioned because he was looking specifically for, we didn't know at the time, but for unknowns to play the roles so that the audiences who would see the film could would more easily relate to Yeah, that, you see. We didn't know. We had no idea. Uh, so. <laughs> It was one of the most wonderful experiences I've ever had just getting into the process. Because we were doing Superstar at the Universal Amphitheater whenever I found out that he was going to do a screen test. Because I, had, I just said to him when we had lunch after he talked about the beard, he said, why are you so aggressive about this? I said, well, sir, I, you know, I've never been in a film. I admire your work and I've been in this show, so I know the show. I'd just like to talk to you about it. He said, well, you know, casting the people. And I, I said, well, I don't care. I, I'll do, I'll, I will pay for a screen test if you will screen test me. And he fell off of <laughs> his chair. He, you have any idea what a screen test costs? I said, sir, I don't even know what a screen test is. <laughs> I've heard the term. So. <laughs> so we had a very endearing conversation. And he tells me to this day that it was the fact that we got on well and talked easily. And he didn't feel I was being overly aggressive, but desired to be a part of it.
0: So. Have you seen each other over the years? I oh, know, yeah. I know Monday yeah. is your big reunion with the whole cast and crew.
1: First time since we shot the film. Wow. That we've all been in the same room at the same time.
0: That's going to be great. I mean, this is going to air Monday, so, you know, it's going to be talking about it actually happening that night. But what are you looking forward to?
1: Oh, my goodness. About You're...
0: seeing these people again?
1: Well, now I've seen all but two of them individually over the years, but I hadn't been connected with Larry Marshall who played Simon or with Bob Bingham who played Caiaphas. The other of us worked in various shows together and did things together and we had a great time. So the the whole thing was that I've been trying to get this reunion to happen since the film came out.
0: Really? Yeah, because
1: Carl and I did a lot of things together before and after the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yvonne was with us once and Barry was with us once. Yvonne Alleman, of course. Yeah, and Barry Dinan his Pontius Pilate. Yeah. So this, I've been trying to get all of us together to do another production but if nothing else just to hang out for a few days you know Mm. so it's it's never happened until now and the fact that we're going to all be in this same place at the same time with norman is a miracle
0: there'll be lots of tears i'm sure oh god yes
1: oh yes i mean when we've done these screenings you know we do the talk back or the audience participation before the screening each day and we tell stories and all of us, even when we're talking. Frank is our, our MC, and he goads us on into telling stories of what we're doing in Israel at the time. Yeah. And there's never been a time yet for a screening that at least one of us didn't break up. I hear Just, you. The emotion thing is still there.
0: So let's talk about some of those behind-the-scenes stories. <laughs> I love stuff like that. What was it like shooting in the Judean desert, aside from being 500 degrees, I'm sure, and you're wearing this, like, heavy robe? You must have been sweating your butt off.
1: Listen, we all uh, were under that circumstance because, you know, it was 110, 120 degrees every day, literally. Uh, No trees anywhere for shade. You know, they would constantly bring in umbrellas and hold over us when we walked in front of the camera or whatever, but my goodness, the heat was intense. But not so much for, for, certainly for myself but think about what the dancers did out in the middle of that desert in that I kind of heat
0: bet. hey you met your wife on the set didn't you Yes. Oh, you'll tell me that story yeah, after
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. but the whole thing was yeah. was the most remarkable experience i mean it could have been shot in any desert anywhere in the world but norman wanted the influence of the israeli desert you know and yeah. boy did that created a whole atmosphere that just couldn't be done on the sound stage or any place else.
0: Wait, were people fainting? I mean, did you?
1: No, no. You I'm, were okay? After after banging my head and telling me I could take anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I <did>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, people certainly got heat frustration, but nobody really fell apart or anything. Sometimes the dancers would have to just sit and breathe deeply and drink lots of water before they would do another take, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Of course, now, they sing live in these uh, movie musicals, yes. but you sang to
1: Well, we, we sang live, I'm telling you. We had speakers the size of that hotel that were out in the desert, so the music was cranked so we could sing. Because you can't, you can't possibly perform for that kind of a drama and lip sync. And lip-sync, generally speaking, is just you move your mouth when that's going. We had to sing, especially Carl and I, because we're both rockers, and we did that. And fortunately, yeah. Mr. Jewson accommodated us with all of those monster speakers and amplifiers so we could rock the desert. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so tell me the story about meeting your wife. Oh. How did that come up?
1: Uh, there's a piece very early on in the, in the film um, called What's the Buzz?,
0: What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening.
1: Everybody, what's here buzz? we go! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's, that's your high yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> note. I need an understudy. <laughs> I can use an understudy. Oh, yeah, the hair you got the hair. It's all, in. it's all there, The whole thing about what's the buzz yeah, is, is so. the introduction of everybody in the piece. They had to rehearse it a lot because it was in this cave. You know, it was at least 60, 70 feet from the surface of the earth down below. Wow. And these caves were actually used, And we were told, initially they would throw slaves and or prisoners in just a hole in the ground to die. You know, but they would they would through those holes you know where the light came into the top of the tunnel yeah. they would they would drop down food for them and that was it that's where you live and over a period of many 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 years this I mean it looks like a beautiful desert palace inside that place with all the little separate rooms. must be
0: haunted. And, uh, Was it haunted?
1: All, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we heard all kinds of things Did down you? There. Like what? Uh, well, we always heard uh, You know, you, you're, you think you're underground, you don't feel any sort of wind other than what's coming through that hole in the top where the sunshine comes through, but you could hear that You know, you'd want to see who was doing that. (laughs) Because it's been there for thousands of years. Anyway, it was wonderful. So the thing happened was Norman wanted to shoot this in one of those, um, uh, shall we say, unusual one shots on a rack. One long, moving camera shot. So they had the tracks all over around so they could do all of that and then zoom in for close-ups and they had multi-cameras as well. And he was using only existing light. He didn't want to use any phony light at all. Ah. So that when that scene happens and you can see that shaft of light coming through the hole in the top of the cave, that's our source. So he rehearsed it many times, and, it, and he sat myself and Yvonne Elliman <clears throat> on this sort of a little rise, which is right where the light would hit at that period of the day. Now the dancers are all coming in and doing the choreography. What's the buzz? And they got these big bowls of food, and they're sitting there down the, around the campfire. and. All the camera guys and Norman and the crew are doing their jobs, so they're watching what they have to do. Well, Yvonne and I are just sitting there watching because we're just sitting there waiting to go, why should you? Right. So we could see the dancers who had long hair who came in to put the food trays down, their hair would get very close to the fire. (gasps) Exactly, that's what Yvonne and I were going, oh, nobody really noticed that. So when he yelled, when Norman yelled cut, I got up to walk over to these two ladies who had really long hair to say, please, just be careful. Well, one of those ladies, I was going to say, watch out for the hair. And I went, pardon me, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me. Uh, 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 Swear to God.
0: She just, you were speechless, Uh, essentially. And this woman became your wife. yes.
1: And she's still putting up with me after all. Oh,
0: man. Mm -hmm. So that's like 42 years. Yeah. Gorgeous story. Yeah. Wow. Was she uh, in love with you at first sight, or she thought you were crazy?
1: I'm sure she thought I was insane. Here was this this guy (laughs) pretending to be somebody important, you know, that uh, wouldn't be thinking in those terms. And I'm sure she thought I was crazy.
0: (laughs) Is she still dancing?
1: Yeah. Uh And teaching? They're going to be here on Monday for the screening as well.
0: Okay, great.
1: My wife, Leanne, and our daughter, Tessa, and our son, Zachariah, will all be here.
0: How do your kids feel about all this that's happening to you now and and the fact that you have become such an icon over the years?
1: They love it because they've been right in the middle of it all their lives. In fact, on the tours that Carl and I did after we did the film, uh, by the time Tessa was five and Zachariah was three, they had been in every state in America and every province in Canada on tour with me, you see. Wow. And there were the only two children there, and you got 50 people on the crew and the cast and all that who were their babysitters, who hung out with them, see. So they've had this wonderful vacation of the arts all their lives.
0: So how did they feel to see their father getting the whip-beating out of him? That well, must the, have been weird. The first
1: time they saw it, it frightened them to death. Yeah. You know, they, they they were buying everything about the film, you know. But once I told them what we did and how we did what we did, they're
0: okay. And I hear your mother couldn't watch that scene. My mom, isn't my, true?
1: Her, you've done your research, <laughs> oh, that's <yeah>. why. <laughs> well, my, when we had the very first screening, when Norman finished the edit and we invited families to see it, she was with me. And she just literally got up and left when, the, when that happened. She could, just couldn't take it emotionally.
0: I bet. I can't imagine. It looked so real.
1: Yeah. Oh, it was. I'm telling you. It, it was. was real. Yeah. My, my, my mom said one, on an interview afterwards, they said, well, Ms. Neely, we saw that you, you, you left. The... She said, well, I, I couldn't take it. She said, I've never done that to my son, and I don't want to watch somebody else do that to him either.
0: Did, you, did it make connection ever? Did you ever feel that? Or you was, mean the
1: whipping? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You did and, and it was. In, it was never an intention that anybody would be struck with anything. Norman Jewison is the most passionate human being in the world. Yeah. But obviously, he wanted to cover it from all angles, and you get behind where you can see that it was phony. So, we had to for that sequence. Beat up the boy from Texas.
0: <laughs> no! You probably had like
1: bruises and. Well, it doesn't matter because the, the bottom line was I was there to, to hopefully portray the essence of Christ in every possible way, and that's part of it. So.
0: But you didn't actually get your your hands nailed to the cross. That was movie trickery. <laughs>
1: you see? You see? See? Put your finger and push right there. Ah, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it looked right, didn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. How did they do that? Do you want to give away the secret? Well, no. The bottom line is that, generally speaking, I was told by those who allegedly know about crucifixion that they always, in addition to nailing people on, they would put ropes around their wrists because eventually the, the hand might tear, and then the, you see, so they, they wanted them hang up there. You, you know how people actually pass on from uh, crucifixion? Actually the weight of the body pulling itself down until the rib cage collapses inside and Breaks your lungs and so you suffocate. So that's part of the process. Is this thing happening? So if if the hand comes off, it's not going to work. See, so they put a rope around them and the nails and the nails and the feet.
0: So you had to research that, I imagine, before you did that scene. I'm
1: I'm big into research. Boy, I've read just about everything's possible about that period of time. And certainly since the film and all the tours, I research new material constantly. There's so many wonderful sources that have different points of view and that makes the character even richer.
0: Now, you, you set up a one-man show uh, with, with a band where you tell all your stories, and I think that oh, came yeah. out in like 2012.
1: Yeah, we did it.
0: Do you want to bring that to Broadway?
1: Oh, I'd love to do that. But Frank and I are so into this touring thing, <laughs> we're doing the screening. This is so incredible, this, the screening process, yeah. because we have a brand new DCP digital print. Honestly, it looks like the movie was shot yesterday really it, uh, it is the most crystal clear thing I've ever seen in my life those scenes all and when we had the desert and Norman was having us all walk in the desert, especially the Simon sequence where he opens showing all the mountains and then there's a wide shot and you can see all the way back to New York City you know you can see you can see the Empire State Building you know it's just it's that vivid wow. it's just amazing yeah. and everybody looks wonderful in this sound it's just it's a celebration to see it and to find out, that that fan base is still evident everywhere we go. The only thing you have to do is let them know when you're coming, and they will flock.
0: Do so they want to like sing along and, and get dressed up as the characters, like the Rocky Horror Picture hasn't, Show phenomenon? Hasn't gotten to
1: that place yet. No. They, they do sometimes sing along. Frank always tells them before, here's the way it works. We want you to sing along. You be a part of it, whatever you want. And they go, yay! And then the movie starts, and it's dead silent.
0: It's like <laughs> yeah, because nobody wants to compete with the talent that's on that screen. <laughs> Is it true that your actual rock, rock and Roll tour bus was in the film?
1: You have done your research. My goodness, that's great. Well, I would love to say yes, but uh, anybody w- who would really research that would find out getting that bus from Texas to Israel would be a little difficult, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. (laughs) No, that was a a bus that uh, Norman specifically chose for the way it looked and the way it was painted and all that there in Israel. So it would suggest today, because we were doing today's version of what happened 2,000 years ago.
0: I wonder how that rumor got started.
1: Oh, just like, I've died 15 times in (laughs) these last four or five years, you know. So people just will say something, they go, really? And then, boom, it's up there, you see.
0: What other rumors have gone around that you felt were so outrageous?
1: Well, uh, the whole idea of my having the honor, shall we say, of portraying Jesus of Nazareth, you can imagine the kind of scuttlebutt, if you will, that goes around about that, and it's never been disrespectful, ever. Only during the times of protest, which was here in New York when we did the Broadway show, they protested us every night. But everything moves toward the fact that Norman Jewison in his vision for this film created such a truthful atmosphere mm. for this music that people actually believe they are sourcing the Spirit of Jesus. Wow, that's so,
0: quite a compliment to you as well.
1: Well, I can't tell you how much help I had, especially Norman Jewison and everybody in the company. That just, And then of course the people who lived there who, who were local folks who worked with us as well, crew and cast and all that. They were so supportive of what we were doing, not saying, you can't do that here. So I have never found anything negative in all these years doing this role. They mm. come and tell me how this film helped guide them to discover their spirituality wow. and their faith. and. Mm. It's remarkable how positive it is. And it's just as fully positive now as it was the first day it was released.
0: So why do you think, Ted, it stands the test of time? What it is about it?
1: I think, without question, two things. First yeah. of all, Tim and Andrew writing the magnificent lyrics in the melody. If it weren't for the music and the lyrics, we wouldn't have this. And a rock opera. And then combine that with Norman Jewison's vision. Because he had the wisdom and the foresight to visualize listening to this music and saying, I think this will make a good film. No one else did. Mm. Because it was a rock opera, first of all. There's never been a rock opera shot on film. That was the first time anything was done like that. He had the courage to do that. And he became so devoted to this concept after hearing the music. He tells a story about the first time someone brought him the record just to listen to. That He looked at the title and well, what the heck, and he put it on, and he said he stayed up all night listening to it. Wow. He was so inspired by the music. And that was that Brown album, the very first Brown album. I
0: have that. Yeah. I listened to that this morning, and I'm dancing around with my, with my little hair and I don't know how to love him. <laughs>
1: That's good. <laughs> well, see, whatever that is that makes you do that, that's exactly what all the people who still come to see this feel. And yeah. they bring their children and their children's children and their children's children. There's four generations of people now who come to see this wow. regularly. It's all magnificent.
0: What's special about you is that you're able to embrace this legacy. Oh. And, you know, so many people would say, I don't want to be known as Jesus for the rest of my life. What is this? But you're proud and you're embracing it so
1: much that... It's really refreshing. Completely changed my life. Yeah. Spiritually, personally. Norman Jewison gave me a future by deciding to put Carl and myself in that film. And, and you know, it, it would be easy, I guess, if you thought in those terms of, I don't want to be this. But the world that saw this accepted what we did and accepted it on a spiritual level. So why well, slap that in the face? because that's positive, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And I know because I've, I've talked to people around the world. I just did a year in Italy. Wow. was supposed to be there for three weeks and stayed for a year, constantly doing the show. Never had any time off, straight through for a year.
0: And you've kept your chops up, and you've, you. This know. still works. Yeah, I, I, I can't
1: believe it. It. I can still scream. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't quite do cajus, you know. I can do. This. <laughs> but thank goodness, the, the, the notes are still there. I still love it. Every performance is like the first time all over again. There's always some sort of a, an epiphany. I feel. <laughs> I, I. I don't know. I, that music starts to play, and you hear the guitar go. Well, and I just lift off the ground and, okay, take me wherever you want me to go.
0: Oh, that's great. Well, I'm so looking forward to seeing Monday night at the Beekman Theater Fantastic. on the big screen. Ted Neely, thank you so much for joining me. It was such fun. My
1: pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Always news. Always refreshing. Always candid. Always billing about. Robin Milling delivers what celebrities are saying to you. <laughs> to you.
0: This episode is made possible by PWC.